you like that? I know it was the song. Okay. Okay. What song? <laughs> our the song. Oh, <laughs> you're trying to do our <laughs> What song? I was doing our intro song. Oh, I can't believe you didn't recognize it from my amazing sound quality, right? I'm gonna put that at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> well, jokes on you, because I think my mic was too far away for you to oh even use God. the audio. <laughs> Anywho, welcome everybody. This is Alternative Interests. My name is Kat. And my name is Crystal. You almost called yourself by your real name. I almost did. Um, welcome everyone to what we do here. What we do here. Which is talk about true crime. <laughs> Um, so we're just going to get right into actually really, you know what, what, you know what that was? That was my alternative to yay. yay. So I'm just going to stick to yay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go on. Um, I was just going to say, I know this is your episode this week, Yes, but really ridiculously serendipitous timing today is the anniversary Yes, it is. March 6th is the anniversary of the case that I am doing today of a disappearance. It's actually a cold case. And um, it happened in 2009. So this would be the 12th anniversary? Yes. Yes, the 12th anniversary of this case. So yeah, how odd that we are well, can we say that this is the second time recording this case because I mess up? <laughs> sure. I messed up again and I didn't want to do that. And so we're recording this case a second time only because I feel like I want to be as accurate and um, just accurate as I possibly can because I uh, this case is a local case and um, I got to know the daughter whose mother went missing in this case. And so I just wanted to be able to, to do it correctly to honor her and her family so that I don't put false information out there. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a testament to how much we care about the information we put out. Yeah. That the information, so we recorded this last week originally and the information that you slipped up on was an age of a person. And yeah. Um, it affected some of the conversation we had. We could have very easily issued um, a, co a correction, but... Uh, yeah, I didn't feel right about that. I felt like that was kind of like, oh, it's not as important. You know what I'm saying in the correction? Like, yeah. But we talked, yeah. So, so, yeah. So we're recording it again, which is fine. All right, so let's begin. This is the Nancy Moyer case, and it is a cold case. And I've told you before, uh, we've talked before about this. I don't like normally covering cold cases, or I didn't, I should say, uh, enjoy covering cold cases because when I listen to podcasts myself, it always frustrates me. Like the cold cases frustrate me because we don't have answers at the end. And so I always thought, well, I don't want to do cold cases because that's just frustrating to not have answers. But I was drawn to this specific case. And maybe it's because it's close to where we both live or because I'm a mother as well. But as I got to 
read the case and know more. Um, I think it's important. It's important to cover cold cases because we want to get as much the story out as much as possible because somebody has to know something, you know? Right. Someone out there has to. It completely gets frustrating because in hindsight, looking at cold cases especially it's like okay there's this 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 that you could have done at the end we're so far past that that we can't even correct do some things but it's it's the just what you said somebody knows something and either they've been too afraid to come forward until now or they're the ones hiding something or they don't know that they know something uh, correct. Like, you know, you could have seen something a long time ago and just never thought twice about it. But then let's say you're listening to someone or you hear something about something and you're like, oh, wait, I, I remember being around that area at that time. And I saw this or I remember looking, seeing this person and I thought they were odd, but I didn't think anything of it. And so I don't know. And also to the fact, too. Having someone, in, like in this case, and you'll hear it, disappear seemingly without a trace and have that person be a mother who has two daughters, I mean, just for the daughters alone, for the family, just those questions they need answers to and the closure that they need, that would be horrible. Right. To not know and not have that closure ever. And that's what makes me sad in some of these cold cases when the family passes away yes, not knowing. Yes. yes, not having those answers. We've talked about that before. I think uh, when we, we, especially when we've talked about children going missing or disappearing, yeah. which it has to be the worst walking nightmare ever. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so with Nancy Moyer's case, um, I just want to be able to help the family get the word out as much as possible. This case has been covered by other podcasts as well. Um, the family is super involved in trying to always share Nancy's story um, in hopes that, like we said, someone, someone knows something. So this is the case of Nancy Moyer. She was an amazing mother, daughter, sister, granddaughter, who seemingly just disappeared without a trace on March 6th in 2009. Now, there have been some leads in the case, um, which I will talk about today, but it still has yet to be solved, and even Nancy still has yet to be found. So a few weeks ago, actually, I came across the Where is Nancy Moyer Facebook page, um, and her daughter, Samantha, who was only nine years old when her mother disappeared, is the person who created the page. So I reached out to her, um, and she was gracious enough to do a Zoom interview with me to talk to me about her mom. And I can't say enough about Sam. She, uh, she like the rest of her family, just wants you know the right answers to bring closure to this nightmare um, that started, gosh, what did we say? We're at 12 years now? Yeah. Um, and yeah, one of the things that she told me in her interview is that uh, that really struck me, that hurt my heart, is she 
like misses her mom every single day. And, and I just thought like Sam was only nine when her mom disappeared and everything that she missed out on. Right. And that's, I mean, it's everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, um, all of the awkwardness of puberty that she didn't have her mom for, Mm -hmm. uh, her first date prom, choosing a college, going to college, Mm-hmm. All of it. All of it. So, and Sam's such a wonderful, uh, like I said, I only met her briefly when we had our Zoom conversation and you're going to hear clips of that audio in this interview. But uh, she is just a very sweet, sweet, sweet girl. So anything we can do to help get her and her family um, any closer to the answer, I am all for So let me tell you more about the case. So Tenina, Washington is about 75 miles south of Seattle, and it's a pretty small, quiet town with a population of about um, 1,500. On Sunday, March 8th in 2009, Bill Moyer was on his way to his ex-wife's house uh, with his two young daughters. This was their typical routine. They were a divorced couple, but he would pick up his daughters on Thursday and then drop them back off with Nancy on Sunday afternoon. This happened every week. Now, even though Nancy and Bill had been divorced for about two years, their co-parenting relationship remained super strong and super positive, and their commitment was always to their daughters. That's really good. Oh, it's it's great. That's how it should be. I know that's not the case for a lot of people, but you should be able to, once you divorce, be able to co-parent, you know, kids and not have it be a, it it shouldn't have to be difficult, right? Right. And I I know some people, it can't be helped, but their common goal was just their daughters and caring for their daughters and loving their daughters and still having that sense of family. So Amanda, who was 11 at the time of her mother's disappearance, and Samantha, uh, who was nine at the time, uh, they were just, they made it work, right? Uh, Bill would have the daughters Thursday afternoon through Sunday, and then Nancy would have them the rest of the week, and they did this every week. So when Bill showed up with the girls on Sunday, like he did every Sunday before that, it was a little concerning a tiny bit that Nancy was nowhere to be found. Again, she was this amazing mother and missing an exchange with her daughters who she loved so much was completely out of the question. As Bill tells it, you know, he drives up, he pulls up near Nancy's car, they park in the driveway of her cozy little house right there in Tenino, Um, And they get out and they're walking up to the door and Bill says he immediately notices that the door is open a little bit. Her front door. Which is is immediately like. Yeah. I don't like that. I mean, I mean, at first I was like small town door kind of open. That's okay. But this is also uh, March in Washington. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it's cold outside right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's still cold. So he was kind of like, ah, the girls, they thought nothing of it. You know, they're at their mom's house now. They just kind of go, go through the door, go into the house to look for their mom. They're excited that they're back in the house. 
the TV was on, the lights were on. Um, on the coffee table, there were two glasses. One was filled halfway with wine, um, and then there was another glass kind of off to the side. So it was obvious that Nancy had been home. Right. Lights are on, TV is on. Um, she, she was there. So the girls run through the house. They can't find their mom. So Bill just figured, ah, maybe she went for a short walk. Um, so he decides he's just going to leave with the girls and come back in a little bit. Let Nancy finish her walk or finish whatever she's doing, and then they'll come back. So Bill comes back again with the girls um, after a little bit, and still no Nancy. She's not there. It was during that second trip back that he notices that Nancy's keys and purse are still at home. So nothing was making sense. Bill decides this, this isn't right. So he calls the police. Now, what do you think the police obviously say in a case like this? She's an adult. She can do mm -hmm. what she wants. Uh-huh. Exactly. 48 hours, right? Let's wait those 48 hours. Right. Which um, I am going to say right now is not a thing. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of police stations, when you call, they'll say that. Um, they may actually even say that it's part of policy, but mm -hmm. there is not and I'm saying this for Washington, there is not an RCW. There's no law that says you must wait that long. No. And you know what? I brought this up with Sam when I was talking to her. And apparently that January, uh, whatever 48 hour policy that had been out there previously was like, that was like, was debunked, right? There is no 48 hour policy, but I guess they still waited the 48 hours. It was like a unspoken, well, no, I mean, she's an adult. Let's almost like a calm down thing. Like yeah. relax, let's just chill out, wait 48 hours, see if she comes back. Which I completely understand. Like it's their job to remain calm and be the voice of reason. But you know when something is wrong. So, I mean, one of my... Uh, one of my friends recently had this issue where someone they knew was not responding to phone calls. They were very concerned. And I told her flat out, like, you call the cops. You uh -huh. say you want to report her missing. If the first person you talk to is not listening to you, you hang up, you call back, and you keep doing that until someone takes your report. Be annoying. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in a case like this. Because Nancy was not the type of woman or mother or sister or daughter to just not be around, right? To completely be gone. So uh, when she failed to show that night or even at work the next day, and again, like I was saying, she was a very responsible employee. Nancy just not showing up without letting her work know was basically unheard of. So everybody knew without a doubt that something was very wrong because this was completely out of character for her. A little bit more about Nancy. At the time that she went missing, she was 36 years old and she wasn't very tall. She was only about five feet. Uh, she had a very large personality. So she was a tiny woman, but had a huge personality. 
everyone says that she was vivacious and outgoing and just had a great smile that could light up a room. And I know I feel like all the time when we talk about cases and that's like a kind of a cliche phrase everybody uses, like her smile could light up a room. But when you look at pictures of Nancy Moyer, like, it is 100% true. You can immediately tell that everything they say about Nancy is true. She has a great smile, and I am positive it would light up any room. Um, she's just this beautiful, she looks bubbly in her pictures. She yeah. looks bubbly. She looks vivacious. She looks like she would be outgoing. I saw a couple pictures of her that I yeah. looked up and she is adorable. Isn't she? And like you can like you said you can see in photos that she's just, like it shows in photos that she's just bright and Oh my gosh, she looks like a good person. Yes. In her pictures, yes. you know, like you're like she that's that's a nice good person. She was described as a social butterfly, uh, just always known to be bubbly and happy. You know, just one of those people where they're just beautiful inside and out. She worked at Washington State's Department of Ecology, where she was a financial analyst, and her coworkers described her as just always being in a good mood. And everyone that knew Nancy just said she was a good person. Um, like there is nothing bad to be said about her. It's interesting that you say that she worked in finance because mm -hmm. um, stereotypically people who work in finance are very um, schedule driven. Oh, really? Yeah. It, because, oh, well, that makes sense. Um, Type A, I the guess. The financial cycle is very routine. Oh, okay. um, it's, you know, on the first of the month, you always do this on the 15th of the month, you always do this. And so people who work in finance tend to be they tend to thrive on routine. So uh -huh. that is actually even more telling because the fact yeah. that this was a huge break from routine is big for her. Yeah, yeah. And that's why everyone was like, no, there is something wrong right now. There is something wrong. She met Bill Moyer while she was working her way through college. She went to Central Washington University. And when she graduated, they got married. They had two beautiful daughters together. She was just very excited to be a mother. Um, so when she got pregnant with Amanda first, she was super excited. And then shortly after that, uh, she had Samantha. Uh, she had been married to Bill for about 10 years, and they had been separated, like I said before, for about two before she vanished. And like I said, they had a great co-parenting relationship. They got along fine for two people who were divorced. And Bill would say later in interviews that I heard that, you know, he felt they were still a family. So he treated it as such. And, and so did she. And that is, I think that's one of the reasons why their co-parenting relationship was so strong um, as well. Yeah. So they just, you know, they both just wanted to work together for the best interest of their children, who they both clearly loved a lot. So like I said, Sam was nine years old when her mom met, went missing, but um, she recalls her mom just being very loving, very playful, very hands-on. Um, 
you'll hear in a little bit her talk about her mom um, and just a couple of memories that she had with her mom and listening to her talk about her mom is just so bittersweet because, you know, she's talking about these memories and she's talking about her mom and um, just knowing what her and her sister have lost with that. It just kind of, it hurt. But um, also I, I want to say too, when I was talking to Sam, it was via Zoom. So when you watch her or when I watched her talk about her mom, she gets this different kind of look on her face. Oh, you know? that's really cute. Yeah. And uh, you can just tell she has very sweet, sweet memories of her mom. Gosh, I I don't really have like a, a timeline because I just remember things that yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, so I guess one of the things I remember is I would have these concerts for her. I'd put in like a SpongeBob CD and I'd sing <laughs> to her and dance around and she'd sing with me. And, Aww. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cute. Isn't that cute? And oh gosh, just because then like I, I would, th- when she was telling me that, I think about like things that I do with Lucy, you know, and Lucy's five years old and uh, to... It, it brings me one. It brings me to tears to have to think like if something ever happened to me and she would have to go just the rest of her life with just those memories and that's it, you know? Yeah. Like that. Anyways, that has to be hard. So once it was becoming increasingly obvious to the police that she wasn't just a mom that left for a little bit, right? Uh, they were. They started to take it seriously and they began their investigation. So this is what they know. Um, It was a regular Friday for Nancy. She went to work um, and work was over. Uh, Because Nancy was single and beautiful and because Bill always had the girls on the weekend, Nancy did enjoy being a single woman and did have a life on the weekends. You know, after a long week of work, she would enjoy herself on the weekends. Um, However, that evening, Nancy really didn't have any plans. Uh, She had told a couple people at work she was just tired and she just wanted to go home and relax. After work, she dropped off a coworker, which they carpooled together. And then she went to the local store. It was a local thriftway market. And there she purchased two bottles of wine, um, three packs of cigarettes, and a hungry man dinner. And then she went home. Now, when she got home that evening, there was actually a police officer checking for uh, speed um, adjacent to the corner of her house. You know, he was sitting there with a radar yeah. or whatever. So um, he had a speed he, trap right by her house. How yeah, much would that yeah. suck? I know, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, if you knew, then you would know. And right, but like you, you just want to go speed. home. You know, Friday <laughs> evenings, you're like you're pushing the pedal a little harder. So. Well, I doubt Nancy was like doing sixty <laughs> over to get to her house. I'm sure she. I'm sure she was a very responsible driver. Um, but anyways, he remembers seeing Nancy 
come home alone and unload the groceries into her house. And I'm sure this, because I was like, how does he know? Like, why is he all up in it? But, well, because he's a police officer. And, and I'm sure to notice things. Yeah. And so I'm sure by the time she went missing and there was a, you know, an alert sent out, I'm sure he was like, well, no, I, I remember that. I recall being there on Friday night right by her house. And I, yeah, and I did see her alone unloading groceries. So, so... A police officer is a witness to that. He is actually the last person to have an eyewitness, you know, ID on Nancy that Friday night. At least um, who's come forward. At least who's come forward. Exactly. However, a neighbor believes he heard her or someone out late that night. And I got conflicting times on this um in the stuff I read it was around 9 9 30 but I believe that's when she got home I don't know anyways at some point during the night so I'm gonna say between 9 30 and 11 okay that night he he hears a woman's voice say hurry up let's go and a car drive off now the neighbor assumed that whoever was speaking was speaking to kids and didn't think anything of it at the time, assumed that it was Nancy and didn't think anything of it at the time. Okay. But what, but there's no report that that neighbor positively can say it was Nancy. Right. So two days later, she's reported missing. And that Sunday night when Bill comes to drop off the girls, uh, when they search Nancy's home, there, there was nothing really out of place. Uh, no sign of forced entry, no sign of a struggle. Uh, her white Honda Civic Del Sol was still in the driveway and her purse and keys were inside the home. Inside of her purse was her driver's license, credit cards, checkbook. Everything was accounted for um, inside. Uh, bank accounts were checked and it was clear that she hadn't used her account since Friday evening at Thriftway, so there was no more activity on her account since then. Uh, they did notice that a long brown jacket with kind of fur probably on the hood of the lining that she frequently wore out of the house was gone. Okay. So, so she did have a jacket on, it's presumed. Um, lights on the house were still on inside. The TV was left on. Um, and most notably, like I mentioned before, on the coffee table were those two glasses. One still had wine in it, kind of half full. Um, and there was another one that sat near it as if there was someone sitting next to, let's say if Nancy was sitting on the couch, as if someone was sitting next to her, there was a glass directly across okay. right there. So, so uh, but they did fingerprint all of that. And sorry, I was, yeah, I was just thinking, and I know you might get here, but do we know when the policeman on the corner left that area? Um, I am sure we do. I don't. Okay. Though. And I know it was before the neighbor uh, heard someone out there. Okay, so he wasn't yeah. there super late. No, uh-uh, okay. he wasn't there late. I think uh, Nancy got home right at the tail end of his radar, uh, you know, time, and he happened to just notice, oh, yeah. And, you know, this is a very small town, so who's to say that the officer didn't know Nancy and was like, oh, Nancy got home yeah. and she's unloading her groceries, so. Okay. 
you know. Um, they did fingerprint all of the glasses that they found inside the home, and it was all Nancy's prints on them. So there wasn't any other fingerprints that they found inside of the house that didn't belong to Nancy or obviously the girls because, you know, the girls live there and, um, and Bill because Bill was in there trying to figure out where Nancy was, right? Was there a suspicious lack of fingerprints anywhere? That was never brought up. It was just... Because that um, would be interesting to know. Yeah, uh-huh, Exactly. Um, police feel that somewhere around 11.30 and 12 a.m. is when she went missing on Friday. And the reason they know that is they went to the electricity or whatever company because her thermostat was on. There is a, because it's March and it's Washington, there was a huge spike in her thermostat at around 11.30 and 12 a.m. because the door was left open. So you know how when it gets colder in the house, the thermostat is one of those automatic it ones. It kicks that kind on, of, yeah. It kicks on. So they noticed an unusual spike in her thermostat around that time. So that's what they're basing their, um, at their you know, time of disappearance was around 11.30 or 12 a.m. Yeah. on Friday night. How cool is that, though? That it's something I know. as dumb as like an, a ticking exactly. thermostat. Yeah, that can give uh, cops a time or police officers a, a time to go off yeah. of. So, I mean, really, it literally seemed as if she just vanished. Was your mom, because I know that all of her stuff was left at home, her purse, everything, her keys, is your mom the type of person that if someone said, hey, listen, I need your help really quick with something, can you come with me? Is she the type of person that would have dropped everything to go help somebody? I believe so. And um, one of the things that was weird is her cigarettes were outside on her chair. So I, I'm pretty sure she must have been outside smoking at the time Gross. when they pulled up. Uh-huh. Um, and that's why everything's in the house. The cigarettes were still in the chair yeah so. so maybe she was outside having the cigarette and then someone came and yeah that's my theory at least <laughs> yeah, there was no forced entry there was there was nothing she walked out of the house basically yeah so I think if I were to play armchair detective um, in my interview with Sam she mentions that when she remembers when she's walking up to the house to go into the house to look for her mom that she noticed that her mom's cigarettes were still outside on the porch on her mom's chair. I've seen pictures of the house um, after she disappeared and it's like a small front porch and it looks like Nancy has like a blue camping chair out there you know those fold-up camping chairs yeah. and you can there you can see the um, cigarettes still out there so to me I feel like you know maybe Nancy went outside she was smoking that could uh you know also explain why her jacket isn't there either because like we've been saying it's March it's Washington it's cold I'm sure when she would ever, whenever she would step outside to smoke, she would put her jacket on. Yeah. Um, and 
you don't leave your cigarettes outside. You take them with you. Exactly. Outside. When you're when you're done smoking, you bring right? them back inside when you're done. It, exactly. So I think that's why that stuck out to Sam, because I think Sam knows her mom usually brings the cigarettes back in. Right. Yeah, And, you know, that may actually explain why her door was slightly open, too, because Mm -hmm. I know I can be scatterbrained sometimes and Mm -hmm. I always lock my door. It's like as I'm pulling my door shut, I kind of flip the door handle lock Mm -hmm. with my hand as I'm pulling it. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I shut my door and I don't have my keys with me, I am stuck outside. So yeah. I can see I that's me. I'm scatterbrained and I lock my keys places all the time. Uh-huh. Um, I could see her leaving the door cracked while she's sure. out because she's just going to go right back inside. Why shut the door? Sure. And then Sam and I talked about, I said, is your mom the type of person um, that would help somebody if someone was just like, hey, uh, really quick, I need to go down here. I need your help. Like, And, you know, I don't even know what it would be. Maybe I need your help to pick something up or I need your help to move something. Was she the type of person that would just get up and go really quick, especially because I'm thinking this is a small town, right? Hey, my car stalled. Can you help me push it off the road? Exactly. And so maybe maybe that it was a case of that because there's no forced entry. Her cigarettes are outside. Her coat is missing. So I. Who who's to say that someone she knew came up and was like, hey, can you come help me with something super fast? Yeah. And then she just left with them knowing, oh, yeah, because I don't need my my car keys. I don't need, you know, my my stuff. Yeah, I'll go with you super fast. Mm -hmm. And then that would explain what the neighborhood, what the neighborhood, what the neighbor heard. Oh, yeah, that would be like, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Like really quick. Interesting. Okay. So that's just me being armchair detective. Because actually, initially, I was thinking that it wasn't Nancy. Um, uh huh. And that it was someone else, but. Someone else. Oh. Like yeah. a different female that is potentially involved. Yeah. I didn't think about that. But w- whenever I heard that the neighbor say that, I. In my head, to me, it was uh, it was Nancy or it was someone that had come picked her up. I guess something. I'm more critical of eyewitness, earwitness testimony yeah. because mm-hmm. your brain wants to understand things and it wants to make connections. So yeah. when the neighbor hears a female voice coming from that side of his house, his brain is automatically going to make the connection that this is Nancy yeah. Even if it's not. So I think that's why yeah. I lean on the side of caution that I'm saying yeah. I I don't think it's Nancy. And if we can prove it is, then cool. But I would yeah. rather leave the possibility open that it was a different female. Yeah, correct. Correct. Um, so obviously when someone goes missing like this and it is a situation where there's a, a divorced couple and children, who is the first person they're going to look at in anything? The significant other. The significant or other or the person. significant other in yes, this situation. Yes, exactly. So obviously they, Bill was, uh, you know, asked a lot of questions right from the get-go, but he was obviously ruled out right away. Um, 
I mean, first off, he has an obvious alibi of the fact that he was with his daughters all weekend. Um, He offered to take a polygraph right off the bat, which he passed. So right at the beginning of the investigation, Bill Moyer was ruled out 100 percent. They also, because I feel they they have to look into this possibility, especially when it's um, adults that, you know, vanish, they have to look into the possibility of maybe she wanted to run away, right? Maybe she left her life. So this was immediately squashed as well because Nancy had zero history of mental illness. Um, She never had a drug or alcohol problem. Um, She had no real personal problems um, to point a finger at. She did have a little debt, but it wasn't anything major that she was going to leave the two daughters that she loved and a job that she loved. Right. It's probably to, like standard credit card, car payment, exactly. mortgage, something like that. Something that a 36-year-old woman would have. Exactly. So that it wasn't going to be enough to make her run away. So that was obviously ruled out as well. Um There was a man named William that they interviewed, um, first off, who she had met at a bar. Uh, This was one of the men her sister Sharon had brought up to police. Sharon brought up several guys that she wanted um, the police to look at, and William was one of them. And this was kind of nothing. Nancy had gone on several dates with them. They met at a local bar. Uh, He actually was a sex offender, though. Uh, The police found out, but he had a solid alibi. He was ruled out very quickly as well. Um, Then there was Jim Roth. Uh, When they went to Nancy's workplace and interviewed her coworkers, obviously, Uh, They searched her desk, and they did find a note on her work calendar about a possible meetup date she was supposed to have that weekend. Um, She was supposed to meet with someone either it was that evening or Saturday, and this was actually Jim Roth. Okay. Um, And he had called and left two messages on her answering machine that weekend, which the police listened to. Um, And they, I guess, were supposed to meet at a place for a drink, but she never showed up. Um, And they had gone on several dates before. Apparently these dates were unsuccessful um, in the performance department (laughs) for Mr. Roth. I like that you're trying to be delicate. uh, I don't know. I just, I know. This poor man. So, yeah, Well, yeah. So they were kind of unsuccessful. I think this was a case of Nancy is a really nice person. And I think Jim was way more into Nancy than Nancy was into Jim. And I think, um, you know, agreeing to go out with him again, I think was just her agreeing because she's a nice person and yeah, let's go hang out. Let's go have a drink or whatever. Yeah. Um, so because Jim thought they had plans and she didn't show up, uh, he got concerned. And so he went to her place on Saturday night to check on her. He tells the police that when he got there, he saw the door open. So he just walked in and walked around, Um, no Nancy, so he left. 
Okay. <laughs> exactly my thoughts too. And so, the police thought that as well. So my first, so this guy, super into her. Yes. My head is immediately going creepy places. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did they ever search his house to see if he took anything? I I'm not sure if they searched his house. I know that they, the police just thought this guy was odd, right? So this, he had a solid alibi, basically, as well. But, so I, I've said it before that stalking cases really interest me. Uh Uh-huh. And a a stalking behavior is to, to go into, and actually, um, uh, my next episode that we're recording uh-huh. is very similar to this oh, uh, so okay. that's kind of ringing that's in my head right now yeah. that um i'm just wondering if if he went in and maybe took some undergarments and took them home while he was wandering I, through her empty house like a I, I don't know first of all i have done some some really stalkerish things in my life but if a guy doesn't meet me for drinks and basically ghosts me I don't think I'm going to go to their house and walk around inside like that's just weird. and then if the door is open walk around that that is really odd and police thought this was really odd to just go to her house and walk in especially when he had not been to her house before that point like he meaning see that's even I, worse well, meaning I know he knew where she lived, but I don't think he had ever been invited over by her. I think it was just they would meet up at places. Right. So your first inclination is this girl you've got a crush on, you just waltz into her house. Yeah, I don't know. That's not a move I would make. Jim Roth, uh, I get, I don't know. He sounds creepy. I guess he was really into her and maybe that's why. And he needed answers as to why she didn't show up i mean this guy's a weirdo and i covered the case of a um a guy who murdered a few of his wives and his name was randy roth so in my Uh head like jim must be related to him somehow because they were both from that southern washington area could you imagine could you imagine the roth brothers the roth family the Roth family, stay away. Um, his alibi for Friday night, though, seemingly did check out. He said he was with his kids. I guess it's a divorce situation there, too. Uh, Roth took a polygraph. It did come back inconclusive. And like I said, police did think, you know, Jim was super odd. And a lot of people, their assessment of Jim was... Uh, that he's just kind of creepy. So police were very suspicious of him, but they never could find any physical evidence or DNA inside Nancy's home to connect him to her disappearance. So they he remained on their radar for quite a while. And, you know, obviously, like I said, this was just a, a kind of a case where I think Jim Roth was really into Nancy. Nancy did not return the same feelings. They did interview Jim Roth again four years after Nancy went missing. And despite some inconsistencies in that story, uh, there was still never really anything substantial to say it was him. Um, 
I mean, and four then, years I'm, memories. Yeah, fade, so that exactly. that's not weird to me. Exactly. I still think it's but weird he, he went in her house, but yeah, he remained on the suspect list. But then in June fifteenth of uh, two thousand seventeen, Jim Roth did pass away of natural causes. So if he does have anything to do with it, I am very upset that he has passed away. Yeah. Uh, without answers. So that is Mr. Roth, one of the suspects on the list. And then there's actually another coworker, Eric Lee Roberts, that was interviewed. He's got three first names. Uh, do you not like that? It's <laughs> men it with three first names are not to be trusted. <laughs> oh, well, don't tell that to my son. He has like four names. <laughs> are they all first names, though? <laughs> um. The first three before his his last name are. Oh, no. I'm sure your son is a very nice person. He is. He's a beautiful. And he's he's not a serial killer. It's like um, there's several like it's 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 a joke in the true crime community that people with three first names are just shady characters. So tell me about Eric Lee Roberts. You know what? You're going to enjoy this then. (laughs) Eric Lee Roberts, um, like I said, was a co-worker of Nancy's. Her sister, Sharon, this was another guy that uh, her sister told the police, can you please look into this guy right away? Eric just said, oh, yeah, I know, Nancy. We say hi to each other at work, but that's about it. He says, you know, I never really saw her outside of work. And, you know, that's it. I just know Nancy from work. So the police are like, cool. I'm I'm immediately questioning that because if it's just someone you say hi at at work, then why does Nancy's sister know about him? Exactly, right? And I think Nancy's sister knew that because obviously Nancy had to have mentioned Eric Lee Roberts. Right, like I don't to, mention random people that I just kind of wave to. I'm sure like Exactly. I work in a really small office. Like we have less than 50 people on staff and I'm sure there's people I haven't told Taryn about because I don't even talk to them. Exactly. And so yeah, he was just like I just say hi to her and that's it. I don't and we never really hang out outside of work and so the police were like okay, cool. And then Nothing. Kind of like they interview more people, but nothing more. Then in 2010, August 8th, there is another murder in Tenino. And this is 26-year-old Bernard Howell is pulled over after a local complained that he was stopped on the street by our buddy Bernard asking him, hey, can you help me move a body? (laughs) (laughs) Really? Because that's not suspicious at all. Because someone is going to be like, someone's going to be like, cool, yeah, let me, I just, let me get in here and drop my groceries off and then I'll come help you move a body. Oh yeah, sure, dude. Here we go. Yeah. (laughs) So when that was reported to the police, they were like, Yeah, let's go pick this guy up. So they found Bernard in a parking lot of a local elementary school. And (laughs) and I can just imagine how this went down. But they find Bernard there and the police officer like walks up to his, you know, truck. And they're like, hey, what are you doing here? 
And Bernard's like, nothing. And then they're probably like, well, someone just told us that you asked if they wanted to help you move a body. And Bernard's like, oh, yeah, I have a body in my truck right now. (laughs) And I'm sorry. I know this isn't funny. It's actually really sad, but I'm just but like this, this situation. Can you imagine yeah, being the cop? No. He's like, uh, uh-uh. well, <laughs> yeah, let's have well, a that's look a in problem. Bernard, that's a problem for us. Okay. So the body in his truck, unfortunately, and by the way, this is a meat truck because Bernard sells his job is to, so ironic. His job is to sell meat products. He's like one of those guys that has a uh, a meat service, like apparently. the Schwann's ice cream truck. Yes, truck. yeah, yeah. That's weird. Yes. So the body in his meat truck was that of a sixty-year-old woman named Vonda Boone. Um, at first, he's like, "Yeah, I have her body in my truck. That doesn't mean I killed her." So he told police, oh, no, I found this body. I was going to save this poor woman's family money by burying the body myself. Oh, my God. This. Yeah. I feel like he needs better lives. Exactly. So uh, the way he tells the story is that he was mad. He went for a walk on the Yelm to Nino trail near Churchill Road in Tenino, Um, and that she passes him by. And for some unknown reason, Bernard just hits her on the head. They struggle. He pulls her down off the trail, um, kind of into a ravine like area. Uh, he killed her has sex with her body, Mm. leaves, comes back, packs her up, drives around with her body in the back of his truck. Now, Bernard, remember, this happened in August in 2010. Nancy went missing in March of 2009. So police are very interested, right, in Bernard. He's, He's killed this woman. Perhaps he knows and has something to do with Nancy and the fact that Bernard lived less than a mile away from Nancy's house at his dad's house. Okay. Okay. Now I just want to say right here, a 26 year old man who sells meat around town (laughs) and still lives with his dad. Probably I am not going to say that he was an eligible bachelor. (laughs) Uh, no, he's super eligible because yeah. he sells meat and lives with his dad. Yeah, exactly. Um, the cops obviously very interested in him uh, because they actually found the meat products that he sold were in Nancy's freezer when she disappeared. Some of them. She had lemon pepper chicken and some seafood. Um, that was actually according to Sam. She remembers Uh, She not only remembers having that meat, but she also remembers that Bernard Howell sold the meat to her mom. Oh, weird. Yeah. Now, Nancy, it was said that Nancy was a vegetarian. Sam was telling me this came from her dad uh, because 
he thought, he's like, it's weird that Nancy has meat in her freezer because she was a vegetarian. But Sam was kind of like, well, no, she still had kids. Like, yeah, we still ate chicken. Growing children need stuff. meat. Like, it's not exactly for yeah. children to be on a vegetarian diet. And I know somebody yeah. is probably going to hear me say that and disagree with yeah. me. But yeah. that's one of those things that you don't force on your children in order for them to have a well-rounded diet. They need... Uh, to eat variety so exactly so so it's not unusual for nancy to have purchased meat from bernard bernard howell or have it in her freezer so detectives obviously are interested in interviewing him because of his close proximity to the house because there are products in her freezer that bernard sells and because sam does recognize uh the man as selling meat to her mom yeah. um so they interview him and he denies it. He's like, I had nothing to do with Nancy's disappearance. I don't even know who you're talking about. He even says, he even denies selling her meat. I don't know why he would deny that, even though she does have the products in the house and even though uh, her daughter remembers him selling products to her. Um, but he he's kind of... Uh, from what I read, he was a little uncooperative with the whole thing. Like, he's like, no, I don't know her. I didn't kill her. Um, and I did talk to Sam about this. And um, and so you're going to hear what she has to say. But um, from everything I read, Bernard, I think this was his first murder. And he wasn't the greatest with it. No. If, and he was if. so upfront in the beginning. Like, yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah. I've got a body like. Yeah. It could just yeah. be that he really didn't. He didn't want to be set Remember. up for it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which uh -huh. completely makes sense. And him denying selling her anything. It might not be anything nefarious. It's just he doesn't want to be tied to her. And exactly. I don't know how many people are buying meat from his meat truck, but yeah. if it's enough people, he may not even remember. Exactly. Uh, Bernard does not sound like the sharpest tool in the box anyways. So I I think, and also he, is, he does end up being convicted for Vonda Boone's crime and he is in prison. So at this point, what would he have to lose? Right. By if he did do it by saying, OK, yes, I killed her, too. He would have nothing to lose at this point because he's already in prison. Right. So, um, I, again, like I said, I talked to Sam about it and she has her theory on Bernard Howell. Do you not feel Bernard Howell had any involvement in it? Uh, I don't believe so. Mm -hmm. The whole vegetarian thing my dad came up with because okay. uh I mean, I mean, she was weaning out meat at the time, but she still ate like chicken and seafood and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, that, that's basically what we bought. They said they found steaks too, but I don't remember her buying steaks. Okay. So I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I don't think he did it uh, simply because he was so, uh, I guess, clumsy yeah. with uh, his first crime. Yeah. And this one, I feel like we would have found her right away. Oh, if exactly. He was so clumsy. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, I, I think in her eyes, she's like, no. So after this 
Police were still at a loss. Friends and family, though, they refused to give up. They were often out handing out flyers and posters. There was even a $55,000 reward offered initially, and that was later increased to $105,000 for any information um, to figure out where Nancy was. That's a good chunk of change. It is. It is. Um, while there were some tips coming in, there was really nothing that would pan out. Um, coworkers of Nancy actually would search this popular, expansive wooded area um, there every Saturday for two years. Wow. They would go and they would just do their own search of the area after her disappearance. And I think uh, what that tells me is that the the cliche that oh everyone loved her is absolutely true in this case oh yeah you would not spend people who like co-workers would not yeah. spend two years every weekend looking for her if they didn't care exactly That's so cute. or looking for some clue you know as to where she is Unfortunately, in May of 2017, police ended up ruling this as a no-body homicide. So they feel that Nancy is no longer alive, but obviously we still don't have answers as to where she is, how she disappeared, and who took her. Um, so in 2019, actually, James Basinger uh, brought the spotlight back onto this case with his uh, with season one of his podcast, Hide and Seek, and um, he covered Nancy's case. So if you're looking for more information on this case, James um, has the Hide and Seek podcast. Season one is totally dedicated to Nancy. And the way James does his podcast is it's in real time. So he is like going to Tonino, interviewing all these people in, in real time. So each episode is just stuff that he's done to research the case. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You've heard podcasts yeah, like it's, that. Um, he's releasing information as he's finding it out. He doesn't do all of his research and then put exactly. the, the podcast in like a story order. So, yeah. Correct. So this was very awesome because he got Nancy's name back out there. He inter he has interviews with a lot of people in his podcast with detectives, Nancy's family. Um, so if you're, again, looking for um, a follow-up to this, there's great information there. However, during the making of his podcast, there was an interesting development that occurred as he was doing it. Um, guess who pops back up? Three first names. Mr. Eric Lee, you guessed <laughs> it. Yes. Okay. He pops back up. Remember, he was interviewed two weeks after Nancy went missing. Um, and like I told you, he worked for the Department of Ecology. And um, I mean, I th I thought something was weird that Nancy's sister knows about this dude. Exactly. When he's supposed to just be like a casual wave hello kind of person. Exactly. He said he had, she'd never been to his home. They never saw each other outside of work, even though he lived fairly close uh, to where Nancy lived. But later, it was actually found out and reported that Nancy, in fact, had been to his home because she apparently used to date his younger nephew at one point. Okay. And so she had been to Eric's home because she was dating his nephew 
and they, I'm sure, had get-togethers probably at Eric Lee's house. So uh, at 3 p.m. on July 9th, 2019, a call comes in to 911, and it is our friend, Mr. Eric Lee Roberts, and he decides... I am tired of holding this inside. And he tells the 911 operator, I would like to confess to the murder of Nancy Moyer. Okay. Just a, just a 3 p.m. on a, on yeah, a day in July. It's just a random day. Just, mm-hmm. hey, hi. Yeah. I, I got to tell so, someone. I, I got He said, he, and I quote, felt tired of holding it inside is what he tells the 911 operator. Oh, I'm sorry. So, this is such a burden for you. Yeah. Yeah. It became a burden at 3 p.m. <laughs> not like when I actually did it. Well, that's 10 the afternoon alert. Exactly. I got it. <laughs> exactly. So police obviously go and pick him up. Um, and he mentions to a police officer. So he's sitting in the car in the back of the um of the police car. Um, and he says, so, Hey, I don't want to incriminate myself any further, but if I was going to get rid of a body on my property, it would probably be right over there. And he points to the area. He has a, a rather large property and there's a fire pit. He's like, I, I would probably, it would be over there. Okay. Uh, so as that police officer right yeah. then I'd be like okay I'm putting the car in park we're gonna lock you in here yeah. I'm gonna go look Ex- around for a minute exactly I just love how he's like I don't want to incriminate myself any further you Stop don't want to incriminate talking. yourself any further you just called the 911 operator <laughs> and said you are involved in a disappearance that happened 10 years ago dude right like hello so um, they take him back. They interview him. His story this time, he says that um, Nancy tried to attack him. They like went for a drive. Nancy tries to attack him. He just reacted. And he then implies that maybe I then killed her by the Chehalis River. Like, this dude is, like, not making sense, and he's no. all over the place. Also, yeah. it, no way in hell Nancy is attacking someone. I'm sorry. Not yeah, happening. exactly. And then he says, and then maybe I buried her in the hills somewhere. The hills. Yeah. What hills? Yeah, I, I don't but know. But also, he literally just said that if he was going to dispose of a body, it would be in his burn pit. So what the hell? Exactly. And then I read that he changes his story like within a couple of hours. And then he says, well, no, I think I picked her up at her house and uh, I took her to my house and then we had sex. And then for some reason I choked her with a scarf, which he claims he burned after the fact. And then I realized she died. Like, I think he had said, like, the choking with the scarf was a part of the intimacy Uh, of whatever they did. I think this guy is just old and weird. And I I think there's I definitely think there's something up with this guy. I have no idea why he would do a confession like this. There's there's got to be something up with him. Exactly. 
So he told police, I also think I have some items of hers in my basement. So of course police are right on it, right? They go and they dig up several spots on his property, including the fire pit. Items from his phone, from his house are taken to the crime lab in Seattle. On July 10th, the next day, he's obviously charged with assault and arrested. He said he might have items of hers at his house. Did he actually have items of hers? They never found anything. Of, okay, so yeah. this guy just wants yeah. attention. He's bored and he's um, lonely. Also with the fire pit, you know, they do, they did dig up the fire pit. But even, I forget if it was when I was talking to Sam or when I was reading, but even a forensics person has said, you know, 10 years, a fire pit, with the amount of times that you use a fire pit, there would really be nothing left, like of evidence-wise, to be found in a fire pit after that much time, especially with the amount of use a fire pit goes through, you know? So, uh, but they still dug it up and they still looked for, uh, for anything there. Um, so he's charged, he's arrested. Then 24 hours later... He says, I don't, I don't mean any of this. I was, I was lying. Is there something he, they can charge him with? Like, oh, you'll find out in a second. Okay. Um, he was still arraigned though. The police still kept him and they set his bail to $1.5 million. Good. Because they also, while they were searching his home, they found illegal firearms in there. So I think they were using the illegal firearms to kind of hold him okay. while, they, while they continued the search. Then on July 15th, Thurston County Police said that they were going to um, delay filing any more charges, meaning they couldn't charge him with Nancy Moyer's murder yet. Mm-hmm. Because the investigation was just not complete and they needed all the evidence to be fully explored. Right. Then on the 31st of July, he was released after the misdemeanor charge against him was dropped and all other charges were dropped because there was no substantial evidence to hold him especially when he had recounted his original confession. So there's, I mean, they, they went and they put a lot of police effort into searching his home and digging up his land. He couldn't be charged with obstruction of justice because of that. No, they didn't even charge him with a false confession. Okay. Why? Even the illegal arms charges were dropped. Why? The only thing I can think of in this case is, and, you know, I've seen it done a lot, is like they, it's almost like they're going to drop all charges because they can't find anything. So they're hoping if he messed up and did a confession and he actually really did it, he's going to mess up again. Like almost like um, releasing him to lead them to something else, maybe. I, that's the only thing I could think of. That almost doesn't seem applicable in this case, but okay. You don't think? No, because it had know. been 10 years. He hadn't done anything else. He made up like four different stories about this situation. Releasing him to see if he'll lead you somewhere. It seems like, it just seems like police laziness. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I don't I'm, I don't want to call it police laziness. I feel like there was an alternative. Uh, I feel like there was another motive for just dropping everything and releasing him. I'm sure. And maybe they just haven't been open with that. But that's weird that they, yeah. they didn't charge him with what they had him on. No, especially when in 2014, a past girlfriend of Robert's, she spoke out and she was like, this dude is like Jekyll and Hyde. When um, when he would drink, he apparently is an awful drunk. And a couple of times he had choked her out and she had to like claw his face to get him to stop, which takes me back to him saying about the scarf and choking Nancy. Right. I yeah. Yeah. So, but if if um, that's what he did, wouldn't he have defensive wounds on him somewhere when police went to talk to him? Although they they barely spoke to him. So Nancy was tiny. I don't know how big uh, Eric Lee Roberts is, but looking at pictures of him, he looks like a big guy. So I don't know. Okay. James, however, remember he was doing the hide and seek podcast while this was all going on. James interviewed him in the podcast and uh, he asks him flat out, why did you confess to this? And Robert says that he was on medication and he doesn't remember anything or why he would confess. I guess is basically all he says. That would explain his weird one, the weird story initially. And then also like the weird variations of the story, but I guess that's not but just as something of, you do. No, uh-uh. And as of October 19th, Eric has not been charged with anything. Now, I asked Sam about her theory about Eric during our interview, and um, she had a lot of things to say about it. And she also mentions uh, James apparently plays a clip for Eric Lee Roberts in his interview mm-hmm. um, of, of him talking to Sam about how the disappearance of Nancy has, you know, affected her and her family. And uh, Sam says that, like, Eric doesn't even, can't even, just, like, looks uninterested, can't even look at James, can't, doesn't even look at the computer at the interview, like, nothing. Huh. But... Her daughters and her family, they still need answers, and that's why we're doing this. Um, Any information, you guys, is good information. Um, Sam really wants to know what happened to her mom. And I asked her, like, what does she want people to know? And just, she just, anything. Anything is good, you know. Any info is good info. Even if you think it's, like, a small thing that doesn't matter it might be helpful right and it's like we were saying at the beginning of this episode somebody knows something and it's Mm -hmm. it very well could just be somebody who doesn't know the information they have is valuable exactly um i do want to mention that nancy had a few distinctive tattoos uh i'll have pictures posted um when we post this on instagram and stuff but On her upper right arm, she has an armband with stars, hearts, and flowers. On her lower back, she has a little butterfly. On her upper back, she has the words double mint and juicy fruit with hearts and three flowers. Um, And 
that's gum, I guess. Yeah, I don't, those are... <laughs> double. Okay. It's cute. It's, I mean, you know, she's probably young. On her left hip, she has a hibiscus flower. On her right hip, she has a Playboy bunny. And then on her right foot, she has um, cherries with uh, the letters A and S. And I presume, obviously, that's for Sam and Amanda um, on her right foot. So those are just distinctive marks um, that she had. You can definitely go to uh, Where is Nancy Moyer Facebook page for more information up there on the page. And remember, this is a page that Sam created. Um, She has all the information there of how to contact the Thurston County Sheriff's Office, which we will have that information, too, um, in our podcast notes. Um, Mickey Hamilton is the current detective on the case. This is still an active case. Um, You can also go to the Charlie Project website as well. They have a whole file on Nancy and her case. Um, And any information out there, you guys, that you have is, is good information. And I just urge people, if they were in the area... If they saw something around that time, um, we it would be great to tell somebody, especially the Thurston County Sheriff's yeah. Office. Like, uh, yeah. So we'll have all this information up in our podcast notes. And um, actually, and it's worth mentioning. We're releasing this episode right now, but even like a few days ago, um, there was human oh, remains right. found in a logging area in what city? Um, I know it was down there. It's close enough that investigators think it might be related to Nancy Moyer. They think this body Uh may be Nancy Moyer. Uh Uh It's going to take several weeks for them to do the necessary testing to see if it is in fact her. Don't let that discourage you from sharing anything just because you're, oh, they might have solved it. Like this is not Uh solved. And even if this is her body, they don't know how it got there. So just any information is helpful. Is good information. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's so hard because I'm like, oh, I hope it's not her body. But I do because they need right. answers and they need closure and they need um, they these two girls need to know what happened to their mom. Yeah. And at this point. The police have outwardly stated that they know they're looking for a body. So, yes, if mm-hmm. we could find it, yep. that would be great. It yes. would be preferable. I, I hope yes. we find her. I do, too. So but we'll uh, we'll definitely update. Um, yes. If there's any. Yeah. And if they release any more about this body they found and whether it is her or mm-hmm. not. Yeah. So there you yeah. have it. But thank thanks. you. That's a lot of good information. Yeah. Hopefully we it can is. get the word out and get some more information out there. I hope so. For Sam, for Amanda, for the whole mm-hmm. family. So, all right. Thank yeah. you. Um, like we said, you guys can find all of that information in our show notes. We'll share photos of her tattoos on Instagram and on Facebook. And um, just take a look. Uh, especially if you are local or know anyone in that area. Uh-huh. And don't forget to visit our 
Facebook page, our Instagram page. She said that. Um, oh, did, did you? That's why I said we're sharing stuff there. Well, just go like it, you we guys. We got a lot this week because of the giveaway. It's okay. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I don't like to look at that stuff because it makes me anxious. All right. Yeah, see you later. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>